Music is kind of known for a lot of things. And in Luke chapter 1, we're going to do a two-part little, little series. We're going to talk about one person today, and then next Sunday talk about the other person. But in Luke chapter 1, you'd think that Luke, as he begins to write in verse 1 of chapter 1, to most excellent Theophilus, this person who has asked him to put together a collection about this guy Jesus, to basically to write a report about this guy Jesus Christ. And you'd think Luke would begin with Jesus Christ. But he does not. He begins with somebody else. And in Luke chapter 1, an angel appears to someone named Zechariah. Zechariah is in the temple and he actually has, it's his job to go into the inner part of the temple and to light the incense. He's part of a rotation that does that. And while he's in there, he has an encounter with the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says, even though you in your old age you and your wife in your old age, even though you're, you're past the time of childbearing, you will have a child. Is that, now, we just finished studying out Genesis as a church. Does that sound familiar at all? It's meant to sound familiar. Okay? Even though you are in your old age, you will bear a child. Now, Zechariah says probably what any of us would say, and, which is, I hear you, but I don't really believe you. Uh, that's my Drew Mines paraphrase. But he says, how is this going to happen, really? Because we're past the age of childbearing. The angel says, well, it's going to happen. And just so, you, just so you can know for sure it's going to happen, you're not going to be able to talk until it happens. So Zechariah uh, is not able to talk for the next nine months. He has to learn sign language, I guess, for the next nine months to be able to communicate. But what's amazing is in the next story, Mary gets a visit from the same angel. And she's told, not the same thing, but... You're going to have a kid, but not because, and it's not going to be amazing because you're really old. It's going to be amazing because you're a virgin. And Mary actually says, but how can this be? And I, you know, she doesn't actually have her, uh, her power of speech taken away like Zachariah does. And we'll talk a lot about why that is a little bit more next time. But next week we're going to talk about Mary. And this, today we're going to talk about Zachariah. Now Zachariah can't speak and Zachariah is going to end up having a, with his wife Elizabeth a child. And that child is John the Baptist. Uh, and in Luke 1, verse 18, Zechariah says to the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife and I are well along in years. And then the angel says, You won't be able to speak until this occurs. Now later on in chapter 1, in verse 57, it says, When, the time, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors, relatives, and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. It was very traditional in a Hebrew family to name your child after a relative. There's no one in your family that has that name. Verse 62, Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. He asked for an iPad. And he, no, he asked for a writing tablet and everyone, to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. He began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come and redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He said He would do through His prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve Him without fear, in holiness, righteousness before Him all, all our days. And you, my child, will be, a, be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation, through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the paths of peace. You know, it's interesting as Jesus comes on the scene and even before Jesus here, John the Baptist from his father Zechariah, it's really important to know what was going on at the time. Now we just studied Genesis. And Genesis is important for a lot of reasons, but really for one reason. And it's that God chooses a family to work through. And that's uh, Abraham's family. <coughs> God chooses Abraham's family to work through. He makes a covenant with them. Now, covenants have stipulations. God says, I will choose you to protect you. And usually when someone does something really nice for you, what's usually your response if you have any kind of decency? To be grateful. And so, out of gratitude, the nation of Israel are supposed to stay in a relationship with God because of His choosing of them. But what happens to Israel? Anybody know? Do they keep the covenant? They don't keep the covenant. They sin and they break the covenant. They sin against God. And as hundreds of years go by, these promises that God gave His people, I will give you a land. Your ancestors will be as numerous as the, the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, which is infinite, by the way. I will bless you. I will take care of you. I am your very great reward. God's, God continues to promise these people and they continue to sin against Him. They continue to break His commandments. They disobey over and over again. Until finally, no prophets are heard from for 500 years. Isaiah prophesies around 4-500 B.C. Can you imagine that? We, they, the, the Israel was used to hearing the word of the Lord. What would you feel? What would you feel if you didn't hear God's voice in 500 years? What would your great-grandkids think? What would your great-great-great-great-great-grandkids think if the legacy passed down was God promised us this kingdom, but we haven't heard from Him in 400 years? What would you feel? Either A, we sinned too much. We messed up. We, we went too far. We've, God has left us. Or God doesn't care about us. And then what's your next logical response? Well, then I'm just going to save myself. You know, I think one of the things that's interesting about the passage with Zechariah is he doesn't have the power of speech. And he can't speak for nine months. And finally they ask him, like, and when he's told you're going to have a kid, right? What does he say? Well, how can this be? This doesn't match my expectations. You know, a lot of us come to Jesus with expectations. 
And even after we get baptized, we still have expectations about the way this Christianity thing is supposed to go. And so, we go, and so Zechariah also has expectations, right? Yeah. He's like, this is not the way it's supposed to go. How are we going to have a kid? And then what's interesting is when they finally are about to, they, they have the kid, they deliver the child, and then they go, what do you, the neighbors go, what do you want to name him? They said, John, that's what, the, that's what Gabriel said to name him. And what do the neighbors say? How can this be? This is, the not, this is not the way we do things. That's, and, the, and then they, they ask, ask Zechariah, and he's not going to mess up a second time. He's had nine months. Timeouts work, by the way. And discipline works, by the way. Nine months. Zechariah has had nine months to think about what he's done, and he's given a chance to prove, hey, are you going to fall in line with God's plan or still try to do your own thing? And Zechariah goes, uh, his name is John, right? He writes it down on the tablet, and then he says it. But then he doesn't go, God, I don't, I'm so angry that you took away my speech. I'm going to complain and gripe. And he actually sings a song and praises God. Yeah. And this is a beautiful piece of poetry here from Zechariah, where he sings this song to praise God. But I think I wanted to slow down today. Before we dive into the Christmas season, and we hear the songs you've heard before, and you hear the lessons you've heard before. Read the passages about Jesus being born that you've heard before and read before. And before that falls on deaf ears, perhaps once yet again, we need to realize the purpose of John the Baptist. Why send somebody to prepare the way for Jesus? Why not just send Jesus? You catch him off guard, right? Gotcha! Jesus is here. You're all going to hell, right? No, but God sends somebody to prepare the way. Because the reality is, is that our hearts need to be prepared sometimes. We need to slow down sometimes and really look at our expectations versus God's expectations. And the reality is, is I think Israel had begun to lose hope. Right before this, there's this big revolt. It's called the Maccabean Revolt. The Jews basically take up arms, they take swords, and they basically kill as many of the Romans as possible. They kill the, the, uh, the, the Antiochus, the leader there, and they take over and they say, you know what? Forget this God guy. We're going to do this ourselves. We're going to get our own kingdom with our own swords, with our own weapons. I think that's a lot of us sometimes. I think the world tells us that God's not going to rescue you. God's not going to protect you. God's not going to save you. And even worse than that, I think the new, the new sermon from the world is that you don't even need saving. You're all fine no matter what. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. You don't have to obey God. You don't have to obey anybody. You can do whatever you want. No one's saved and no one's going to hell and everyone's fine. But I think deep down, a lot of us still realize that that is a lie. We sit in darkness. And we realize that we, and I think the sooner we can realize that we need a rescuer. And don't buy into the lie. Israel was tempted to feel like, I guess we've just sinned too much. I guess we're too far gone. And I think everyone in this room can feel that sometimes. Am I just too far gone? I've had a bad semester at UVA or JMU. Maybe I should just quit. I've had a bad year. I've had a, it's been a rough few years. Maybe it's been more than one year. Of, I don't know if I can really commit to this God thing. Maybe I should just... Maybe Does God really care about me? And I love this because... God, this whole passage is saying one thing. God is on the move. Yeah. And Zechariah is like, but can this really happen? Does God even really care about us? Yeah, you know how we're going to show you? Boom, you can't talk. Oh, okay, 
We're going to work. God's going to bring about a Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to deliver. He's going to, and so nine months Zechariah has to prepare his heart. To get ready, not for his own Messiah, but for God's Messiah. Not for his own expectations, but for the real Jesus. And I love this, this, this story here because listen, he says, guys, remember all those promises God made in his song here? Zechariah said, remember the promises God's made? He's going to deliver on those promises. He's coming. God's on the move. He's on his way. Has God forgotten about us? No way. He is on his way and he is going to help rescue us. And be, there are people who sit in darkness. And God is going to come into our lives to be able to help us realize that not one of you is meant to stay in darkness. In John chapter 12, Jesus says, I came so that those who believe in me will not stay in darkness. Is it possible to believe in Jesus and be in darkness? You betcha. Jesus says, I came so that those who believe won't stay in darkness. And this passage, Zechariah says, guys, he's coming. And I love the way it says, it says, dawn is breaking from the heavens in verse 79. Dawn is breaking from the heavens and it will shine on those who sit in darkness. And it's because of the tender mercy of our God. At the end of the day, Israel came down to one truth. Is God going to go toward the fully just, just part of Him? Because we deserve to, de- to die. Yeah. Or is He going to show us mercy? And my challenge for us, church, we're going to take communion here in a second. We just sang a great song. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Right? And it's, it's, Jesus had to come because Israel was captive. And I want to encourage you this morning and ask a couple questions. Do you see yourself as someone who needs to be rescued? Do you need help? Everyone this morning needs help. Do you see that you need help? Do you see that is Jesus coming as someone that can help you, exciting to you, or does it make you uncomfortable? We have one week to get before ready, ready for our Christmas service, and you have more weeks to get ready for Christmas. I want to encourage you. John came to prepare the hearts. He came to preheat the oven, okay? <laughs> You can't just throw something in the oven if it ain't preheated. It's not going to work. I had a roommate who put a steak in the oven, didn't preheat, and then ate it raw and didn't realize it. We had to call poison control. Don't be that guy. Don't just show up on Christmas. Because those who are not prepared for Christmas could tragically miss what's supposed to really be the, the, the great punch of what Jesus has done. Prepare for the next few weeks. Start talking about it with your kids. Why, hey guys, we're having Christmas is coming up. Do you know why we have Christmas? Do you know why we do this? But talk about this with your kids and better yet, prepare your own heart. Let's begin right now as we take communion together. Take a moment, close your eyes, take the bread and the cup and begin to prepare your own heart for the real Messiah that we'll talk about next week, uh, uh, seven days from now. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Seth Mitchell. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 7 p.m. Wednesdays or 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.